Hey y'all, welcome back to a Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, jam-packed show for you guys today here on the Chase Thomas Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Go to bluewirepods.com today if you've not already done so, and go check out all of our great uh, pods all over the network. A lot of great draft coverage uh, following the NFL draft. A lot of cool stuff that we did. Uh, Greenlight with Chris Long. Go check that out. Max Crosby pod. Uh, wide receiver one, Chris Carter. All that and more on the Blue Wire Pod Network. So go check that out if you have not already done so. Uh, on today's show, Dalton Miller of PFN and Evan Swords of 49ers Hub on the podcast to talk all things NFL draft, uh, just the NFL as a whole, Cowboys, Falcons, Niners, Jags, uh, just all kinds of uh, draft insight and what happened there. Debo not getting moved uh, before the draft and all that and where they stand in San Francisco. Uh, fun, fun conversation. Uh, we also got Del Reed to talk all things Bills. Uh, he he knows a lot about the Buffalo Bills, so it was great to have him on the podcast to talk about the Buffalo Bills and the Bills Mafia, Josh Allen, uh, Ken Dorsey being elevated to OC, what the Bills can uh, build off of from the last two years, um, the and what they did in the draft and uh, where they got better and where they didn't, and uh, all that and more uh, with um with dell on uh on the bills mafia front so jam-packed show for you guys on that front don't forget you can also watch this very program uh at youtube.com youtube.com type in the chase Thomas podcast hit that subscribe button that easy that simple go ahead and check that out today you can also check out all my writing yeah i'm writing every day over at sports renaissance man that's me sports renaissance man type in your email on that page and get all of my articles uh, delivered to your email inbox every day. That'd be great. And uh, support me in that way on the sports front. So I wrote about uh, Tennessee and their series victory over the Auburn Tigers over the weekend. What happened on Sunday afternoon, Jordan Beck's big time home run. Shout out to the guy, Mike Honcho, uh, for coming through in the clutch in the bottom of the eighth. So I wrote all about that, where the Tennessee balls go this week. Uh, have a date with the Kentucky Wildcats on the road in Lexington this weekend. So excited for that midweek game against Alabama A&M. Um, also, the Braves and Mets uh, uh, series that kicks off uh, or kicked off on Monday night. We'll be covering that on Sports Renaissance Man. So check that out as well. Um, don't forget, if you want to support this very program, an easy way to do so: hit that pause button right now and leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. Uh, it helps more than you know, and it helps other people find this very show. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on Enveloping the NFL with Mr. Evan Swords and Dalton Miller, both back on this Monday night edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. First things first, though. Dalton, the the mustache, it's mm-hmm. changed up. You've got a yingling sign, I think, behind you now. Is that mm-hmm. yingling? You, yes, you're adding to the home office just before you move? Like, you yep. were like, what if I just add some more stuff for me to bring across, so, across yeah, the Yeah, so the, uh, the yingling sign is actually uh, my parents had it, and it didn't okay. work. So I got it done. I got all the neon redone for my father for his birthday slash oh, nice. Christmas. So that's why it, it that's there. And so I'm just showing it off for now until I mm-hmm. move. And then we're going to mount it on the wall before I move. Is there any yingling in Portugal? Do we know? 
No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't care. Portugal. It's, <laughs> the, it's going to be so much wine from there in Spain and Italy. I, I in France. I don't care. I'm not going to apparently drink any beer. It's going to be mostly wine, and it's going to be all the time. Oh my God, Evan! When we get Dalton on a future podcast in Portugal, whatever Portugal time will be, I don't even know what time. What time is it in Portugal right now? This is it plus uh, eight? Right. It is one in Portugal. Ooh. One a.m. Um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're just gonna have the hair's gonna be down to your your shoulders or it way be, lower yes. maybe. Um, we're gonna go full facial hair. You're just gonna be. I I think we might get some turtlenecks from you. We're gonna get some jewelry. Dalton's uh, gonna add jewelry to the mix. Uh, no, there won't be jewelry. Um, are most, we sure? The most there will be are uh, my great grandfather's dog tags that I wear sometimes. Okay. I am not a a jewelry guy, so if- you you will not see me in that. If it okay. wasn't for your great grandfather's dog tags, I could absolutely see a gold like Cuban link chain. Yeah, just, you know, very just very subtle, it. very subtle. I'm not. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm not a jewelry guy either, so I get it. Well, you're like a consistent guy. Evan is. I've seen him in three different colors my entire life, and I just I've known Evan for several years now, and it's it's amazing when he wears anything not black, white, or gray. Like that's you can't his... really tell. This is kind of a cream, you know. Is it? Yeah, it looks pretty white. It looks. Like I was a, gonna say that looks like a white tea to me. It's like a. It's it's like got a like a banana <laughs> banana cream pie, like kind of you know. No. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, banana cream pie is like a very specific. There's no color. banana cream pie in anything that you're wearing right now. None. I mean, have you seen I a banana have, cream pie? I have a very bright light pointing uh-huh. at my face. Uh, yeah. It's t- trust me when I say it's it's a it's a creamish. We'll Hold just on. take it. We'll just take your word for it. Yeah, we'll, we'll. Yeah, there you go. Are you sure? Um, are you sure you don't want to like talk about it a little bit more? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, a lot of change has happened in the three of our lives uh, in the last couple of days. Dalton getting uh the mustache and moving in the not too distant future. He could have moved now, but uh, I think I saw on your Twitter you tweeted out that it had to do with moving some stuff and not wanting to go back and forth and mm-hmm. just do one big fell swoop. And then we got Evan. Uh, the significant other now in LA feel okay putting that out there. Cause he is yeah. <laughs> talked about Dal- it a lot. You Dalton drove did just move in. Yeah. I'm really happy about that for both of us. Yeah. I'm in the How's other room been? right now. It's, it's been fantastic. You know, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit small in the apartment, you know, it's LA it's expensive, you know, for the size and everything, but, but you know, we're making remodeled. it work. It's yeah, remodeled. We're look making the, it work. Look at the light fixtures, right? Yeah, you know? and, and and listen, he posted some, uh, I guess, apartments or something uh-huh. um, earlier on Twitter, and I kind of balked at when I saw them and almost fainted because we're talking about like thirty seven hundred dollars for oh, a yeah. two bed, two bath apartment. That, that's just that's disgusting to me. I, Wait, I, hold I on. would have to sell my body. Did you I say- legitimately have to sell my body? Did you say thirty seven hundred dollars for a two I, bedroom, two bath? I believe that's what is you that tweeted. what you th- is that what you thought you saw? I think I believe Evan's going to say it's less tweeted. than that. It's, it's it might less be bedroom and bath. It might is be it one more. bedroom, one bath. A one bedroom, one bath was forty seven hundred dollars. Oh, oh. A, a two bedroom, two bath is eighty eight fourteen, and that's no. all. And that's only. If you sign a sixteen month lease. Wait, are those <laughs> are those like legit luxury rentals though? Like, I mean, that's not that's not normal. So the reason why I was curious about it because I have like I do like 
having a nice place. I'm used to it wherever I've normally lived. And yeah, it's a brand new building. So I was curious. I was like, oh, a brand new building. I got the advertisement on Instagram. Like it knows me. Did like they the give algorithm. you a bar of gold when you signed the lease? <laughs> like, good Lord, man. No, they actually take you out back and spit on you and beat you. Okay. Yeah, no, it's that like, makes hey, way like, more sense. No, but yeah, it's 1,479, it's not even 1,500, it's 1,479 square feet for $8,800. Dude, our house. So for reference, that was, yeah, that was my first apartment in Irving when I moved to Texas, and that was $1,400 a month. Yeah, it was a a dollar per square foot. uh, We had a, um, like, so I lived in uh, downtown Atlanta for a long time after undergrad, and our house was a four-bedroom house that me and buddy, some buddies lived, um, like, peak downtown, like, right mm-hmm. there. Good house. I paid $600 a month in rent. We split it four ways. Like, there's... Gotta love the South. I mean, the South, Tennessee, like, the amount of Californians who have moved to Tennessee uh, since COVID and everything, and they just... They're like, oh my god, I can just buy like a third of Knoxville with this yes. California money. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great to the ho- the the housing bubble and everything here in Knoxville, but it is one of those things where it's like, just you see those numbers and you're like, I pay like a third of that for a night a good house. Like, what yeah. what are we doing I here? I don't want to get political here, and I, I'll keep this as very PG. But have you noticed that if you want to go somewhere with warm weather, mm. that's like highly populated if with young people like it's all very republican like they republicans have a like death grip on good weather places if you want to move if you're young do you want to go to austin texas i mean austin's liberal as a city but texas is you know right like if you want to go to nashville tennessee which has become very popular right like if you want to go to scottsdale arizona like you can't there's no like liberals as as a whole have like no cheap nice weather places to live i just, i think they've mm. done, they've done a very bad job of cornering the housing market if you want to go somewhere like if you're liberal and you want to live in a liberal city uh $8800 a month for a two bedroom <laughs> Like I just I think I don't know if that was in their you game better play plan. for the Dodgers pretty right. much <laughs> basically yeah uh, hey, so I just I I just thought that was a very interesting thing. So um, anywho, football. <laughs> oh, I wasn't done, Dalton. I wasn't Dalton. I don't even know if you know this, Dalton. I got engaged over the weekend. Like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. No, I Thank was just you. trying to get Evan to stop talking. Please <laughs> go ahead, Chase. Uh, yeah, but no, I, it is nice. Chase, who's been married for 700 years, decided to right. finally get engaged. Very congratulations. It was now, a year and you, a half. It wasn't that long. I yeah. meant, I'm saying mentally, you guys, the second you guys started dating, it was like a, a beautiful old marriage. Um, you go on walks together. You guys like go to the, you guys go to like the middle, like not even like parks. You just go to fields. Like, <laughs> Like it's if it's a park, you guys don't yeah. want it. You guys like to go to walk. So tell me how you propose, though. Uh, funny you say that because it was a park field situation. Uh, one of our favorites, and uh, <laughs> at a good spot. I had my family come in on Saturday morning, and I had her dad uh, meet my family like after. So like after it was all done, um, they were going to surprise her at the end of it. But um. I've had it for a while and we did our normal park, but it was, it was wild because I had to like time how long like we should go. And when we got to go and I'm like, Hey, we kind of do need to go. And like there, you don't realize how 
many variables uh, pop up in that moment. We're like, this kind of has to go this way, but like you also can't pick up on the fact that I'm pushing you in a certain direction. So, so hold that, on. So let's set yeah. the stage though entirely from the beginning. How did, did she? <laughs> I mean, I want to because I, I want to hear the engagement story. Like, did yeah. she know that her family was going to be in town? So no. First off. So okay, no. so you went full board. You were literally going to surprise her with her entire family in town. Where did they stay? Well, hold on. Not like my family to, is from out of town. Her family is from Knoxville, so they're here. Yeah. yeah okay. So that was not a big deal. Like getting her family here, uh, right. there was not a big deal. But it was my family, and like, hey, kind of the spur of the moment, like to get them up for it. So her dad um, was there, and he lives like thirty minutes away, so that wasn't far. But it was more of. Like, hey, we're going in because we do a lot of our, our Saturday morning walk after doing the pod and I do some homework and she does some work. And then um, we go to the park with the with the dog, Khaleesi the dog, and then all that. But I was like, I she, she was where it was just so funny because I was like, she's going to be mad, so mad at me because she's like in park workout wear and she's going to take pictures and she's going to be sweaty. And it because it was super hot on Saturday and it just walking through the park doing some some stuff there and it it was just it was great it worked out perfectly we're able but here's something funny so we were uh we stopped for coffee on the way over there and she for whatever reason i forgot what it was but she like reached in my right pocket to grab something out of that pocket and because i'm left-handed i had the ring in my left pocket but if she gra- if I had been right-handed, she grabs the ring before we get to the park, and it's just like, why do you have a ring in your pocket, like in the coffee line? Like, well, it was one of those things where I was like, oh my god, and I had to like just completely play it cool of like, you just got so lucky that you, you grabbed the yeah. ring. Yeah, you're it literally was, like you're like you're like the Jurassic Park with the mm-hmm. t- with the raptor, just like right next to you. You're like, I can't. I can't make yeah. noise. I just got to. Yeah, you have to going. play it so cool because you're like, oh, my God. If she goes to the other, like, I cannot. Because well, if she's like, are you sure it's not in your other? I'm like, mm, nope, not there. Nothing nothing is, going on. Is that a normal occurrence, too, for her to, like, reach into your pocket no. and grab something? That seems like a really, like, like I don't know. That just seems like a, like a, a sitcom situation <laughs> of, like, never in her life has she ever grabbed, like, gone to grab something in your pocket. But it was one of those one where I... Never, I that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if the last time she just, like, I, I forgot. I want to say it was a pen or something, like, maybe a napkin. I don't know. There was something about, like, what she got. And I was just, I was taking it back where you're just kind of stunned at what's happening. Where you're, like, and I had to do a quick, like, think of, like, it's not in my right pocket, right? Because um, there's nowhere to really hide it. And those things are bulky. And you have to be, uh, you have to be very careful. And that whole thing of getting there. And then I'm also sweating bullets, like walking around the park with it, like hoping I don't drop it or it doesn't fall out of my pocket, like at a big park. Uh, but then we went to our normal, uh, our park walk. And then I had a good spot under the trees and shade. And, uh, it was funny cause I did my whole spiel and she was like, she told me after she, like I was two, three minutes in, she was like, wow, I really hope he saves this for when he proposes to me because this is really nice. This is really sweet. And then she realized, like, as I kept going, she's like, oh, this is just happening. That's what he's doing right now. He's just doing the whole thing. And uh, it was great. And um, she was excited. The ring, uh, I think, was a hit. And, uh, you know, I'm engaged. So it all worked out. I want to say this, and I mean this very – I joke a lot. I want to – very, very much want you to know that I'm not joking here. I mean this very sincerely. It is really, really dope to, like, just hear you talk about it because, like, you can just see right now, even in the moment where you're just telling us about it, you were reliving it 
and you were just like although like it felt like I, I'm watching all the emotion come back and all the feelings like you seem very happy just telling the story so I can't even imagine how excited and happy you were in that moment so I'm really happy for you man I appreciate that, man. You don't realize how many emotions go through your mind in that moment. It doesn't matter how much you think she's going to say this or how sure you are until you're in that moment and the words start coming out and you're just like, oh, I'm in this now. Like it, it, it's just a it's a plethora of overwhelming emotions and sensations. And then you're it, it's done and you're you're fried. Like my nerves are just fried after that. And I'm like, whatever. We went and got champagne downtown and all that. And that <laughs> calmed a lot of that and that fixed a lot of stuff. But Man, it uh, it's one of those things I hope I only do once, and it was with someone that I love quite dearly, and it's just it's just fun when you when you are gonna marry your best friend. That's it's a fun thing. It's a cool thing where you're just like I enjoy hanging out with this person every day, and I'm yeah. a better person with this person. Now, so Dalton, yeah. when you when you when you got married, did, did that just like come with the paperwork of joining the military or like No, we didn't we didn't get married while I was in the military. We specifically waited until afterwards. Yeah. yeah that is we, you're the we, only I think the only person in the military to ever do that. That's Yes, actually. Yes, usually you meet somebody and then 3 months later you guys get married so you can get a house off post. Yes. Right. Uh, no, we we went the opposite direction. We said we're just not it's not going to happen and then mm-hmm. I was pretty much faced with the decision to get out and i got out instead and it was obviously a good decision because of got out of the relationship right yeah yeah exactly got out of the relationship no uh got out of the army which was the the best thing for me to do um and so yeah um i mean it's a terrifying proposition i mean we were together for like seven or eight years before i proposed i mean i was we were young when we got together but um, it's still terrifying, even though you know yeah. they're going to say yes. It, it, does, it doesn't matter. You'll, you'll always be nervous. And I'm not somebody that really gets nervous about anything. Same. So uh, it's, a, it's a fun time. Yeah, it's one of it. But it, Dalton, we're in a club. Evan, you'll maybe be there one day. Let's hope you'll be there one day where it's just it's a different feeling. I, I got to go. I'm sorry. I got to get out of here. <laughs> maybe one day. I really appreciate that, man. I'm really hey, happy baby for steps. you. Baby steps. Well, I appreciate yeah. that, man. Um, very good marriage. Actually good folks. Um, Evan, your team did not trade Debo Samuel before the draft. They didn't trade him in the first round. They didn't do anything. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't get traded. Uh, that came out today that the, the trade market for him, uh, fell off a cliff after the surgery. Um, Niners fans, very upset. Grant Cohn from the pod, just going in. He's a great tweeter and just, he's a fearless guy in the press room. But, um, what do you make of your Niners draft and the decision not to trade Debo in the last couple of days. Is he is he going to be a 49er? Where are we at now? Well, okay, so first and foremost, uh, they did actually come out with a thing today saying, well, I think it was Peter King saying that mm. Debo is actually still, like, they, he expects Debo to still get traded. But And mm. if that's the case, like, I'm at the point now where I'm like, okay, well, the whole point of trading Debo was to get the draft pick for this draft because we didn't have a first round pick. Mm. So, I mean, like, I, th- I feel like this changes the entire dynamic. If we're still going to trade Debo, we, we, I, I'm working for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, no, but if they decide to still trade Debo, like, I feel like it's no longer picks at this point. It's got to be picks and, you know, a player. I do think that the dynamic changes there, but I, I've, we can, we can talk about the Debo thing. I want to go through the draft real quick and kind of cover it. Right. Because, mm. I, I do think in some ways the 49ers really did have a strong draft. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, let's start out. Drake Jackson, defensive end from USC. That is your guy across the street from Nick Bosa. Mm. Speed rusher, who they thought they were going to get in D Ford, who ended up having a lot of injuries. Out, you know, right out. They just, they get that guy. Drake Jackson's going to have to get a little bit bigger in the NFL. Um, Dalton, what did you, did you, did you look at Drake much? Oh, yeah. Can you kind of talk to what your thought from a professional standpoint was? I really like him. Um, I really liked his 2019 tape. He lost about 25 to 30 pounds after uh, his freshman season to play a little bit different position in a new defense, and things didn't go quite as well. I think if he gets back up to that 260 to 270 mark instead of, you know, the 245 or 250 that he was playing at, I think that he is going to be a down-in, down-out, three-down edge rusher, somebody who can defend against the run. Um, He's got a a ghost move as a pass rusher that's really, really nice as well. Um, He is a really fun player, and I was really excited, actually, uh, to see him because he need. I mean, Nick Bosa needed somebody on the other side to help him out other than just Eric, obviously. There was that swim move that they kind of showed that the clip was circulating after he got drafted of him just, I mean, that bend underneath he the does. guy. Yep. Swim, you know, the swim, it was incredible to watch. But yeah, like a lot, like you said, a lot of people said he's going to need to gain that weight. Chris Kasur. So is he expected one, to start right away though, this fall? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I think so. Uh, there's not, you know, the competition there is not great. You know, they traded mm. last year for a guy that I still can't even remember his name. Uh, they also had Samson Ibukam, who got a little bit better towards the end of the season, but was kind of underwhelming throughout the season. Uh, I do think so. Chris Kasurik is one of, if not the best defensive linemen coaches in the NFL, and what he does with players who come in, he's like, uh, you know, a, def- a defensive end, defensive tackle whisperer. Uh, he's just mm. been absolutely incredible. He's the highest paid defensive line coach in the NFL. Um, so really excited to see what he can get. Uh, and do with him but yeah you know the the big thing when it comes to the 49ers draft as everyone knows uh, the 49ers drafted Trey Sermon out of Ohio State University last year uh, which we all were just you know high-fiving all over the place and this was gonna you know the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan's running back genius was finally going to get a top talent running back to play with Uh, he ends up not playing basically the entire season not getting used even gets injured uh, so they drafted him. They then draft Elijah Mitchell in the seventh round, who started the year really strong last year, looked really good, uh, and then at, towards the end of the year looked really bad. Um, so had a lot of injuries at running back to the point that Debo ended up becoming their premier running back and having that incredible season that he had. Uh, that said, they're all healthy now, all the running backs. You know, Trey Sermon was supposed to have kind of his breakout second year. Nope. <laughs> Ty Davis Price, running back from LSU. Mm. They they drafted a running back in the third round after signing Jamichael Hasty, who was undrafted free agent to a, uh, an extended contract this year. Right, uh, Elijah Mitchell, who started most of the year, and Trey Sermon. You drafted two <laughs> running backs last year, and they also Jeff Wilson, who's been you know just another guy running around who's played whose spot started. All of them are going to play next year. And they drafted a running back in the third round. Dear God, Chase, you know LSU in that uh, area really well. Why did they draft a running back? I mean, he's not Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> he's he's not going to be that kind of upside. He's a rotational back. Like, I don't think he's... It, 
it, he did not show a lot at LSU. And the other thing, the weird thing about LSU the last couple of years that makes them hard to read is like Orjan kept over, like he kept changing that staff completely. Like he was trying to save his job post Burrow and new, off, new offensive coordinator, new DC back to back years. And the fallout from Brady, uh, Joe Brady to, um, who did they hire after Brady? It was I'm Scott Linehan. Yes, Linehan. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was two coordinators ago, just to clarify. So they had Scott Linehan, former uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, offensive coordinator from a long time ago. Um, so, yeah, they went Scott right. Linehan, and then they went this past year. They went back to Joe Brady's system. They did a co-OC thing to former assistants under Brady during the national title team. But LSU had a really rough year and went through a multitude of quarterbacks. The offense was very... Hit or miss. Max Johnson did not flash a bunch. Miles Brennan got hurt early. What I don't type know. Of running I mean, back is it, he? He's just. You. I mean, he's a rotational uh, back. He's like a third down guy. He's just. He's just kind of like a height, weight, speed guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's just he's like got, a best case scenario. He's like a single terry or something. Yeah. And so Dalton, did you? Yeah. In your pre-draft stuff, I didn't did watch you, him. Did you? <laughs> So okay, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, the 49ers without their first round pick this year, uh, they go Drake Jackson, defensive end, great pick, and then they go uh, a running back that no one cared to watch at one of the best college football teams in the NFL, or you know, as far as pre-draft talent to usually get drafted, uh, no one cared about him, and that's who Kyle Shanahan. Uh, but you know, if, if, if while we're here, guys, let's mm-hmm. just let's let's go over it, right? Uh, the 49ers have done a really good job at drafting running backs, right? Joe Williams uh, is not in the NFL anymore after getting cut by drafted in the third round by the the 49ers, right? Uh, Trey Sermon, they needed a running back last year, most of the time. And, uh, yeah, no, he didn't play at all. No, not even when they needed a running back. I don't know what's going on with my camera. Hello. All right. He doesn't yeah. want to get you in focus. I know. But yeah, that. yeah, but, but yeah, Joe Williams, uh, they drafted when he, the, the Shanahan's, you know, regime took over immediately was gone. Total bust. Worthless pick. Trey Sermon didn't play at all last year. Uh, so now we're going to go ahead and take a running back with a pretty needed pick, and they took no one uh, of any importance whatsoever. So that sucked. Other than that, Danny Gray is a very exciting receiver. He's kind of very Debo-esque. Uh, one of the fastest receivers in the draft and also kind of a big-bodied guy. Uh, you know, SMU, that's Dalton, that's your world, right? That, yep. What, what do you got to say about our boy? Um, he's just, I mean, he's an athlete. I mean, he can get up, you know, 22, 23 miles an hour when he runs. He is very, very, very fast. I think he's going to be a, a slot guy at the next level. I, I do like, you know, he's, he's about my size, um, uh, you know, six foot, 200 pounds. Um, but obviously he's, uh, he's a strong kid. Um, he's still developing, I think his frame a little bit because, he was, you know, like 185, I think, at the combine, and he got up to uh, close to 200 pounds by his pro day. Um, he did do a couple of things. He did the short shuttle and the three cone at his pro day um, and didn't do a great job with those tests during pro day. But he ran a 4-3-3, um, really, really good athlete, explosive, 
it'll all come down in, in that Shanahan offense to how well um, and how precise he can be as a route runner and how good he can be after the catch because we know that is what it is about. Now, it might change with Trey Lance. We don't know. Maybe there's a bit more downfield element, a bit more outside of the numbers element going on, um, and that's where I think Danny Gray from the slot can really make a difference. Yeah. So, I mean, the one thing I'll say overall, and I know we got we got you guys as teams to talk about, but the 49ers did actually draft offensive linemen, which I thought was really important. Uh, they mm-hmm. took a cornerback, Samuel Womack from Toledo. Uh, a lot of people, especially draft analysts, really liked him. Uh, they took Tariq Castro. He rocketed from, up the charts, some say. Uh, yeah, Penn State as well. Uh, they drafted no, Mr. Irrelevant. No college football guys on this podcast. No, sorry, that's not me. They're the Toledo uh, Rockets, sorry. But I, I think I think if anything, if they if they didn't draft a running back, uh, I think the 49ers would have a pretty exciting draft. Unfortunately, they drafted a running back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Dalton, why don't you go ahead and go through your uh, what I thought was the way you talked about it, a very sad draft. But then talking to some Cowboys fans, we're kind of excited about it. You know, well, I, it, hit, I was just, it hit Cowboys fans like a hurricane, if you will. Uh, oh okay, you're, okay, okay. listen. You know what? You, you get engaged, and all of a sudden, it's dad joke city. Like, come on, have, have some kids. It's dad you start and college like football city. That's the worst. No, um, listen, Tyler Smith was just because George Karlaftis and Jermaine Johnson were on the board. That's the reason why we didn't like that pick. Right. Um, hmm. I went back on stream the next day, watched, re-watched Tyler Smith's tape with everybody on stream and we all saw the struggles together he's gonna have a long way to go if he wants to be a competent starter in the nfl and not have holding calls and um be a consistent pass protector but he's really physical in the run game he is going to help out that rushing attack right away and then hopefully he can end up being a a high-end left guard who might eventually be the left tackle he's really big i think he's six foot four 320 pounds He's got good length, 6'5", 320 pounds. He's got good length, but the best thing about him really for me was his athleticism and his feet. So you can definitely teach that athlete to be a left tackle. His just his hands are horrific. So he needs to fix those. Sam now, Williams. Question, Dalton, yeah. do they do they need hands at that position? Are hands important? It is important. Um, I don't think any offensive tackles before have been handless. Um, I could be wrong, but grip strength is usually important. So yeah. having hands would would seem important. But Didn't Linderbaum we've seen JPP, get, we've seen yeah. JPP on the defensive side. Um, That's true. Be okay too. Half, half, and half and he hand. only has three fingers on that hand. So hand, um, yeah. Linderbaum went the pick after. And uh, well, I mean, my, I was bringing him up because he had the same kind of issue, right? Like, weren't they talking about his his measurables and his hand stuff? Like, they I remember oh, he had oh, a weird size thing. Yeah. So um, with with Smith, it's a technical issue. With Linderbaum, yeah. it's a size issue. Yeah. yeah okay. They just didn't love that he was had short arms and was yeah. you know right around three hundred pounds. But he was really really good at football. He went the mm-hmm. next pick, and my buddy had a little bit of a viral moment when the pick happened. Um, he was very mad at Baltimore for, for making that pick on the live stream. Um, Sam Williams in the second round, really high upside guy, ran a four five one defensive end, 260 pounds, like all of the physical tools that you could ever ask for. Uh, the off-field stuff is kind of concerning. Um, you literally just drafted Randy Gregory all over again. No, no, different. Randy no, Gregory like- was Randy Gregory was very flexible. Um, okay. Sam Williams is a little bit stiffer, and by a little bit, I mean a but lot. He's like stiffer. only an edge guy, right? Like he's only um, going to rush the pass. No, I mean he can he can get on the inside a little bit. He's mm. not 
huge. Like he's not Trayvon Walker big. Like he'll play over the tack or play over yeah. the, the the center. But he can rush a little bit on the interior. He's, he's strong for his size. He just needs to really learn how to be a professional pass rusher and not sexually assault people if that happened. Um, he had charges that were eventually dropped. But as we know, in those types of cases, they are rarely ever pos- prosecuted. So we don't know the truth behind that. Only right. the team and he does. Um, Jalen Tolbert in third round was a fantastic pick. Uh, that's where yeah. the draft really started to step up. Uh, Tolbert is a guy who can play a little bit everywhere. Um, and he will play a big role early on in the season. Jake Ferguson, uh, he's all right. Tight end does a little bit of everything. He can block a little bit. He can catch a little bit. Matt will let's go from North Dakota was an interesting one. Another like, listen, we're just drafting athletes and well, let's go is just an athlete at this point. His tape was worse than Tyler Smith's by a mile. Um, but you know, he might end up being a a long-term option as a swing tackle. And he has, I guess the upside to be a starter eventually. Um, I honestly don't know Deron Bland. Um, so that's, that's, I mean, that's fun. Um, real quick, could you explain for the, obviously not everyone's a like huge Cowboys fan. So how is this going to help you guys lose in the first round again? Oh, how's it going to help? Oh, oh, it's perfect for them losing in the first round again, because listen, okay, let me, let me talk you through this. The (laughs) NFC East still bad. All right. Right. Giants still bad. Washington still bad. Philly really good roster, but I don't think Jalen Hurts has enough to get them over the Cowboys in the NFC East. So they they pretty much win the division by default. And then they just lose in the first round of the playoffs. But listen, they're not, going for it this year they're going for it in 2023 dan quinn is the head coach that's when they're going to spend money in free agency draft really well and really go for it and then lose in the conference championship yeah (laughs) do you you think that maybe we could have like a like maybe like a step brothers interview situation where you have kellen moore and dan quinn like coming through both wearing tuxedos yeah that would be outstanding that'd be great Mm -hmm. Uh, i can't see dan quinn doing it because he would have his hat backwards that's true. Mm. I do want to say one thing, though. As much as we love to make fun of the New York football giants. Yes. Wow. I'm not, I'm not allowed to swear on this podcast. but well, I Let's would hold be, off because I want to uh, make that the main event. I want to do the, the broad teams and the winners. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. Let's save the giants. Evan, if you would yeah. have read the, the Google Doc, you would have known that. Um, and then Damone Dalton, Clark. Dalton, I want you to know, understand something. <laughs> He's never read With my, with no, my, no, with my whole heart. With my whole heart, I love Chase Thomas more than ninety nine point nine percent of human beings on this earth. I, I don't I don't read it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, even during the season, Dalton, when I have like all the notes, oh, he on all these that, that stats and everything. Hey, it, hey, hey I understand. Doc, Doc's updated. <laughs> Doc, Doc is updated. Doc's updated. Um, Damon Clark from LSU, good player. He's going to need yeah. spinal fusion surgery, so he won't play this yeah. year. John Ridgeway, Arkansas defensive tackle. Big dude in the middle. I really like that pick. Um, and then Devin Harper. I I don't know anything about him. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, it's fair. Sam Williams, though, if you watch that tape, uh, the miss the Egg Bowl this past year, bonkers. That man, uh-huh. he single handedly switched that game. So like Mississippi mm-hmm. State had no answers. They had nobody that could block him. Nobody that can throw at him. But I don't remember. Was he matched up on Cross in that game? I don't know. I don't think so. No. Okay. Because that would have been interesting. I didn't know. I don't know yeah. who was matched up on that. But he was just, I forgot how many sacks he had in that one. But, like, he was just, every single play, Will Rogers was having to get rid of it, getting hit. Like, it was, the Egg Bowl was maybe decided by Sam Williams just not being blockable. 
Um, he also had a good game against Tennessee, but not as good of a performance as Tyler Barron, who had a strip sack for a touchdown that got called back because uh, the ref just decided that uh, it was awkward. So Ole Miss got to keep possession. But I'm not uh, I'm not still upset about what happened in the Kiffin Bowl. Um, my team, though. So the Falcons, let me just say this. Um, Falcons Twitter's gotten really weird, and uh, there's been a lot of UGA fans that, look, there's all sorts of problems with UGA fans, and I, I don't have time to list all the different problems of UGA fans um, outside of them winning a national title and then just perceive, like, just have proceeded to just downplay everything else. And it's just, if I see one more, they had the most players drafted than, uh, of any school ever, um, I'm going to lose it. But look, things are really good in Athens right now. Kirby's built a behemoth, like an all-time great draft class. Like every defensive player basically just got drafted, um, developed a bunch of talent, uh, high-profile talent, but he still developed them, and they won a national title. All that's great. The amount of Falcons fans that I saw as the draft was going on, like losing their minds when Nicobe Dean was falling, and it's like, oh, how are we not taking Nicobe Dean there? How are we not taking uh, Georgia player X here? And it was one of those things where it's like, we don't like the idea that that the any team should think, oh, this guy's gonna sell tickets. We got to go with the Georgia guy because he did really well. And like the idea that like all Falcons fans are also Georgia fans, it's just not reality. There's all kinds of Falcons fans. The, I would say the vast majority of Falcons fans actually aren't Georgia fans. Um, I think there's probably a bigger crossover of baseball with Braves, but that's uh, neither here nor there. I thought it was interesting. Like a lot of Georgia Falcons fans did not like this draft, but the national media loved this Falcons draft. Like I, it was wild when I saw PFF gave him like an A plus and I was going through it. The Falcons just have gotten like from people that I know and trust and love reading all enjoyed what Terry Fontenot and this group did. And when I was watching the moment, I was like, this is pretty solid. I thought we'd get like a B minus a B for most uh, smart draft folks. And then everyone was like, no, nailed it you trade back in for the penn state edge who a lot of people liked and he was he seems like he's gonna be a good player but until that actually happens with any falcon so it's arnold uh do you know how do you say it ebikite ebikite um good player he goes in round two we take drake london in round one which starts the ohio state uh wide receiver just uh conveyor belt for teams and hold on wait what what what? what do you mean? Oh, you're saying? Oh, she's saying like after he they yeah yeah after, after he went, Drake the two, yeah the two yes. Ohio State guys went oh, I, three I technically because like Jamison Williams started, started there. there. Yeah, so Jamison Williams did start there. Yeah, couldn't. So couldn't that's play. what I'm like. It was a conveyor belt. Like right after it was just and then suddenly like if you're the rant or if you're who was that who traded back up or like oh we're kind of screwed uh, that we who was it um, who was one of the last ones because Christian Watson went in round two who was one of the late wide receiver picks in the round one who am I forgetting. Um, after the Ohio State guys, who was left on the board? Burks. Uh, I guess it was Burks. It was Burks, Burks and yeah. uh, Jahan Dotson for Washington. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. Where they're like, "Oh, we got to take." Doesn't matter. We got to get help for these guys because the receivers are just gone. Like every team's yep. just going receiver in the first round. And Drake London got a lot of Mike Evans comps. Um, looks like he should be a good player, uh, but he's a player that we had to take because of the Calvin Ridley situation. And when I saw, like, one of the funny things, too, is like, oh, how are you going to stop Kyle Pitts and Drake London in the red zone? I know. Marcus Mariota's under center in the red zone. I know. Did you watch Kyle Pitts in the red zone last year? 
we did not do anything with Kyle Pitts in the red zone last do, year. Like, do we know? Do we know that Kyle Pitts was ever actually in the red zone? Oh my God, he had zero touchdowns last year. Zero. Yeah, no, I know. Like, I want to see it before I just go all in on this offense so, and what we're going to do with Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Can I see it with the well, like? You're not gonna, uh, yeah, I mean, you 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 already said it. You're not going to do anything with Marcus Mariota. Yes. And and so disrespectful. I, I just, listen. It's not disrespectful. <laughs> listen, Evan. I want Marcus Mariota to be an All Pro. I loved him hey. coming out of Oregon. It's just not going to happen. At this I, point, I, I, I understand. So let me before you guys dive in too deep. I, I do want to say this from it, like just a, like a just vibes perspective. I like the Falcons draft the most out of all three of ours. Yeah, I okay. really yeah, did. Easily, yeah, easily. I I think when you when you accept in your heart that the Atlanta Falcons will always take a first-round draft pick wide receiver. Mm. Like, yeah, Calvin Ridley, that situation's terrible. But, like, Calvin Ridley might have been perfectly healthy, ready to go, not suspended. And they might still have taken Drake London. Because mm. that like, the Falcons just always have to have a star receiver. They yeah. always have to. Like and it I mean, wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a bad pick either. Like you, know, it, you can you never have t- you can never have too many weapons. I I would say that maybe you look at the the Brandon Ayuk Debo and George Kittle situation. You you realize that there is a point where you just can't get everyone the ball. But I I, I do I will say not to dive too much into that. Drake London I think was a really exciting pick. But after that they just went like just like safe smart picks. Getting an edge in the second round is smart. Getting a linebacker uh, that wears 45, it's just like, it's a safe bet. Desmond Ritter is the, the what is he like? He's, so he's 65 years old, right? That's how old? <laughs> Those pictures do not do him well, man. Like Listen, that, yeah. he, he looks that old in person, too. Does he really? The, the yeah. HD cameras are like, you're not hiding at this point. No. Like, he looked, he looked, you know what he looked like? He looked like he just worked, like, three back-to-back 16-hour shifts, and he, yeah. just, mm. he needs a cigarette and a beer. But yes. I don't know. Do, do you feel, Chase, like you're, you're – I felt like you had a really well-rounded, smart draft. Like, how did you feel like that as a fan? It was definitely well-rounded. I like the Montana State pick is going to be super – that's going to be the most controversial, I yeah. think, among Falcons fans and just where things go because – he obviously the group of five or not even group of five the fcs guys those there's always just like a disconnect where it's like okay you're gambling on the fcs guy and this kind of talent production and playing against nobody for a while uh, he was a former quarterback turn linebacker there have already been people who are like is he going to be utilized like in a variable goal line situation a lot is he going to be a Taysom hill type uh for this falcons team because arthur smith seems like the kind of coach who would do that i mean cordell yes. patterson got a bunch of carries at running back last year and he figures to do that again with Mike Davis getting released this year but like I don't know I I like that pick I I obviously I had uh Montana State's coach on a few weeks ago and vegan is a really good dude and they have a really good program like Montana State was really good this past year and almost won the FCS title but I think that is going to be interesting because Deion Jones was just under the radar awful all this past year and I think a lot of Mm -hmm. people who did not watch every Falcons game did not know that Deion was like just not trying uh, in yeah. a lot of weeks, and he was just getting lost and kept. He was just bad. Like Dion was bad, and he loses right. Foyo Aluokan, who I think will not really work out in Jacksonville. I think that's kind of like you. He got a lot of tackles, and that's cool. But I just, I, he's not someone I would throw the bag at. He's a great story, Foye, Yell dude, smart guy, cool story. Mm-hmm. But I think if you watch the Falcons, you were not just 
oh man, they've locked down the linebacker room. They're good with Deion Jones and Foyer. Well, and they're as, rebuilding as a, like mm. as a 49ers fan drafting an FBS FBS linebacker. Yeah. Not a, not not a bad idea. Well, it's just risky and I think there's just people who are like why not take and it's the Nakobe Dean who was just like yeah, you saw Dean what he later. did. Yeah, that's the whole thing where it's like he was the leader of the team that just won the title and we just saw like there's just going to be that disconnect until we see it with Morgan from fans especially in the south and the SEC like who watched all of these games and right. were like, "Oh, Nakobe Dean was an animal and we haven't seen this guy cuz no one's seen uh Anderson play at all." But in terms of Ritter I think people who are just like, oh, yeah, he's the quarterback of the future. And, like, it's cool that he said he's going to bring a Super Bowl to Atlanta. That's really nice. He seems like a great dude to root for. Like, our quarterback room is going to be the likability thing with Mariota. It's going to be amazing. uh, Yes. Two extremely likable dudes. I I, I hope for the best for both of them. That being said, this does not change the Falcons' calculus for this year. Because this is still going to be an awful football team. Yep. This is still going to be a team that's going to be in the running for the top three. Like, I would be absolutely floored if we're not in the top three. Mm-hmm. And if we're in the top three, there's a possibility like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are not out of the question by drafting Desmond Ritter. Well, that you draft Desmond Ritter there in the third round because you're like, this guy had some first round grades from teams and he just kept falling and we're just going to add him. Like, well, who cares? It's a third round pick. We just, it's good value for R- where Ritter was taken. And hey, if we find lightning in a bottle, we find a Dak Prescott type or whatever, and we just didn't see it coming. Great. If not, guess what? And we're bad next year. We are not not taking Bryce Young because we took Desmond Ritter exactly. this year in the third round. The best so. thing that can happen is that they play him a little bit towards the end of the season after you know they know they're they're out of the running for the playoffs, which mm-hmm. won't take too too long. But maybe they play <laughs> Mariota a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe they play Mariota a little bit longer, um, and then Ritter comes in and he plays pretty well, but not well enough to where it's like oh, like this did might actually be the future. Yeah. And then you can flip him for a, a second or the Tyrod you know, just Taylor flip situation him for the third round pick. Yeah. And, and so you get a pick back for him that was, you know, might maybe even better than where you got him at. Um, and so I think that'll be really interesting. I, I like Ritter. He's just, he's just not all that accurate. He's got a great process. He's an intelligent quarterback, can get to the right read and deliver a pass, but it's just not going to be there at the right place every single time. Um, and it's a little bit weird to watch because there aren't many guys that have that skill set where it's mm. everything is like really good. He's a good athlete. And then he just like can't always get the ball where it needs to go. And it's kind of frustrating at times to watch that. But um, other than that, like you said, that, that this draft was really good. Uh, London's mm. obviously a great talent. Epikite is really, really fun. Troy Anderson doesn't really know what he's doing yet, but yeah. he is literally the best athlete ever at the position uh, when it comes to linebackers. So it'll be interesting to see how he progresses. And then D'Angelo Malone and Tyler Algier, both two really good players. I loved every single one of their first six picks. Smith is going to love Algier. Like that's just, he like Mike Davis, like I, I wish there was a person in the room. There was like a camera on Mike Davis when that pick was in. It's like, all right, that's it. Goodbye, like that, I, that, that. That's it. Can't believe he was still on the team last year. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't know if you saw his thighs. The dude was in the gym. Oh, the no. guy was working. Uh, who, what was your favorite two-yard carry by Mike Davis this past year, Dalton? Oh, it was probably the one I didn't watch. <laughs> I gotta say, as as, a, as the, you know, the Forty ers drafted Mike Davis, right? And like, yeah, 
he was never good. But then for no. some some reason, he had a weird blip last uh, two he, years ago with Carolina, he, where people were like, "Oh, well, he all, not just Carolina, because he kind of was doing some things in Seattle." And oh, and but like Seattle, speaking of Seattle, ooh. Um, well, let's do that. Let's uh, let's wrap up because Dalton's got an hour here tonight. So let's do our NFL draft winners and losers. So you hit on the Giants a little bit. I thought both New York teams did really well in this yeah. particular draft. But uh, Dalton, let's start with you. Your winner. Give me a couple winners and a couple losers. All right, let's just do winners first, and we'll get to losers. Do we just want to do one each? Or yeah, let's do one each. All right, Baltimore Ravens are my winner. Just, okay. just straight up. Uh, they have what here? They have one, two, three. Four top 50 players for me. Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Linderbaum, David Ajabo, and Travis Jones. Like I love all four of those players. They absolutely killed it. Uh, Jalen Armour Davis from Alabama. Really like high upside guy from Alabama. And usually you don't really like see high upside guys from Alabama go in the fourth round. But there was enough to where Levi Wallace. he fell a little bit. Well, Levi Wallace, I you know, it was a little bit different. Levi Wallace wasn't, like, super high upside just because he mm. was, like, six foot, 165 pounds. Well, they, they just was, didn't think. Like, you don't think Alabama guy who's just, yes. like, an underdog story, and he's just been an amazing it, underdog story. Yeah. No, and Levi was one of my favorite players in that draft class because he was huh. so small, and yeah. he was so much fun to watch him just battle dudes. The Bills never wanted dudes. him to start, and they kept yeah. bringing in competition. They're like, we cannot keep giving this job to <laughs> Levi Wallace. He's like, sorry, no one's taking <laughs> this for me. He just kept beating people out. Yeah. Um, and then the, Daniel Falele um, to play right mm. tackle for Baltimore. Downhill blocker, six foot eight, 380 pounds. This man is massive. Probably the biggest NFL player I've ever seen in person. I saw him down at mm. the Senior Bowl. Just massive human being. And then Charlie Kohler, man, really good tight end. And we know that they love their tight ends in Baltimore. Uh, they don't like wide receivers there. They just got rid of one. Um, and so that was really good. And then they got the best punter in the draft in Jordan Stout. And then Tyler Beatty uh, there in, in round six was a really good draft pick as well. I just liked most of what they did. Hmm. Yeah. What about you? I mean, the, the Ravens always draft well. They, I mean, yeah, they do. Master class of the NFL draft. But, um, you know, as I said, right, the New York Giants, I just I'm obviously biased. I'm an Oregon homer. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, I thought was the best defensive in the NFL draft. Yep. Like it, I just, you know, see Aiden Hutchinson, like have that one special year. And then all of a sudden just was like, I mean, white privilege. Let's just say it. Right. Um, but all jokes aside, <laughs> Kayvon's to me was the best defensive end from overall talent, production, all the above, just absolutely dominant. And then they go on the other side of the ball and Evan Neal, like could have been taken at number one overall and people mm-hmm. like would have been pretty okay with that. So you get the, the, to me, the best offensive player in the draft from an offensive line, you know, you get the best defensive player in the draft. What else do you need to say? We could dive into the rest of their stuff, but I think those are just safe, you know, franchise changing picks. Uh, there's a problem though. Still Daniel Jones, so I don't know what you mm. do there. You, you you decline the fifth year option, which is what they did. But yeah, yeah. You, they're building for the future. Yes, they're they're definitely building for the future. the The Wandale Robinson pick was a weird one for me. Ooh, um, I'm a big Wandale guy. But Brian Dable really likes that small, shifty. He's going to put up numbers. Athletic, yes, yeah. he he will put up numbers from the slot for them. Um, I would I like Calvin Austin more. 
Hmm. Um, but that's okay. It, it is what it is. Daniel Bellinger, uh, the tight end for San Diego State, that was another pretty good pick. And then I like Darian Beavers a lot. Um, hmm. Big fan of Beavers. Um, and I'm a really big fan of that Cincinnati defense. And he was kind of in the middle of it. Now, he's not like super athletic. He's kind of like an old school thumper linebacker. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's fun to watch. Um, for me, I thought the Chiefs had the best draft. Uh, I love <laughs> so huh? good. It, it so was just, good. I hate them. Veach put on a clinic. Um, you're gonna forget that Tyreek Hill was like. Obviously, they had more draft uh, capital because of the Tyreek Hill trade. But you go Trent McDuffie, who I loved at Washington, and I watched a lot of his stuff. I'm a big Pac-12 after dark guy, and just the the no fly zone in uh, Northwest Washington is just a, a real thing. And um what was going on with there with him and gordon and everything else like just and their offense was god awful like just with donovan as their oc this past year was just an absolute disaster that led to the whole staff getting fired but the defense was still top notch and mcduffie's just going to be an instant uh, impact player for them and then for purdue that edge guy george carl i don't know is it what is Carlaftis, it yeah. yeah he's a Carlaftis. great player watched him a lot at purdue he was sensational in that notre dame game that i watched and took notes on him for he's he's going to be an impact guy and he's gonna be great for them sky Moore, i think could be a star in kansas yes. city i love that pick for like they just everything I, I was looking at their stuff and i'm like makes sense makes sense and then just getting somebody like um jalen watson late i think uh they just they have a lot of they did a lot of stuff that i thought was just smart and they added a bunch of depth where they needed depth at the corner yep. spot safety spot they just everything the chiefs did just was like oh yeah they're gonna be they're fine like it doesn't matter with or without tyreek they're gonna look a little different but brent beach still is one of the best gms in football and he knows what he's doing yep 100 percent. um i will say i'm gonna do a one um one team that I think still deserves credit. It's the other New York team. I actually think the Jets had a better draft than the Giants. And the Jets, yeah. I think part of it was luck. Like, they really stumbled into some – like, Sauce being there for them was just something nobody saw coming. Derek Stingley going three was huge for them. So, Sauce Gardner's right there who I still would prefer. I think he's the safer choice. I think Stingley probably still has the biggest upside. But I would still say, like, who would I bet on nine times out of ten to have the better career? It's probably Sauce. Um, and he seems like someone I would trust more in New York. Like sauce is just a buttoned up, like professional ready to go. And he's not going to be overwhelmed by New York media and anything like that. Like Stingley, I don't know. Um, he's had an up and down career and obviously he's not been like just being your best in, as a freshman just kind of scares me a little bit. Um, but you go Garrett Wilson, uh, at pick 10, you get Jermaine Johnson who fell all the way to 26, who uh, just had an unbelievable year at Florida state ACC defensive player of the year this past year. He transfers in Georgia right away. Just awesome. Like he is someone, if he stays at Georgia, he might not even play this past year on that Georgia defensive line. Like it's amazing how much change for him in the portal. It's like when people push against the portal, I'm like, Jermaine Johnson's the first round pick because of the portal. Like that's right. just part of what happened there. Like that's a yeah. reality that helps a lot of these kids when they choose right. And he chose right. Brees Hall. Like I don't like drafting running backs that early, but he's someone with Robert Saleh and what what the San Francisco DNA. Like hey, if you're going to take a running back, at least take take the best one in the draft. And I think Brees Hall was the best one in the draft. And um, I don't know. And then Michael Clemens. I watched a lot. Edge guy from A and M. I like him. He was really good there. And getting him that late in the draft and putting him with Robert Sala, I think is. I would not be surprised if he's a good rotation player for them. Uh, but I thought the Jets did did great stuff. What do you think, Dalton? 
Yeah, and then, you know, even just on top of those picks, I mean, I liked every single one of them, and obviously I really liked this draft because all the picks mm. were in the first four rounds. I don't really care about rounds five through seven for the most part. Like you can mm. find some value in there, but if you have the capital and you're trying to get players that are going to be able to play for your roster, trade up and go get guys. Yeah. And all of their picks were traded picks except for their mm. first one, which was the, the fourth overall pick. Uh, Max Mitchell is a, a kind of a high upside guy from Louisiana. Offensive tackle can play a little bit inside as well. Really like that pick. But Jeremy Rucker is a big one for me, man. Mm. Um, Ohio State just doesn't care about tight ends. I don't yeah, know why if you're a thing. I don't know why if you're a tight end you would ever go to Ohio State other than obviously it's like you grew a, up a loving fantastic. that Ben Hartstock tape. You were yeah. like Ben Hartstock was my guy. I love yeah, it. Yeah, like it's a it's a great program, but you're mm. never going to get the ball if you are a tight end at Ohio State. And I think Jeremy Rucker is going to be a much better pro than he was in college, hmm. or much I'm, more productive pro, I guess. I'm, I mean, the the thing you have to realize though is like this is a very 49ers DNA Kyle yeah. Shanahan DNA draft, right? Mm-hmm. You get Garrett Wilson, who's one of, obviously, if not the best receivers in the class. Uh, you know, not exactly Devo Samuel, but has all the tools. Very good receiver. Uh, going and getting Jermaine Johnson, like we talked about, right? Like, is he their Nick Bosa? No, it's a little bit of a different style, but he is absolutely incredible. I would have loved the 49ers who have traded up there, too, uh, had they not taken Drake Jackson. So it's just, you're getting that type of DNA. Brees Hall is going to be... Uh, what you know, the 49ers never want to do is like take that really high end talented running back, unless they this year then obviously grab what's his name. So I did, I agree, <laughs> yeah, I, back, yeah. I agree. I thought the, the Jets actually had a better draft than the Giants. It was the first round that was exciting for me, but yeah. Like, I don't know, man, if if Zach can figure it out. Well, he better because suddenly the Jets' wide receiver room is one of the best in football. Like, if yeah. you read this stuff, like, Denzel Mims is, like, an afterthought, but Denzel Mims has all kinds of upside. He's, like, wide receiver five right now in New York. And yeah. if that's the case, it's suddenly, like, a really, really good situation. Zach Wilson has all he needs now. Like, this should be a bump year for him. Like, he has weapons galore. Elijah Moore is still, like, someone who I, I think people are going to be more familiar with this year. But, like, you get Corey Davis in a more natural role for him as a wide receiver three. Right. I don't know. Like, I think the New York Jets system and, like, where, what Zach Wilson's going to have to work with this year is night and day what he had to work yeah. with last year. And suddenly the Jets are loaded at that spot. 100%. Um, losers. Evan, give us your, your biggest draft loser. I feel like I know where this is going. Just say it's, the Jags. I, I mean, it's too easy. I thought... <laughs> I, I, by the way, I, I don't want to say loser, but I do want to say we, I want to at least speak about how the Seattle Seahawks drafted. Ooh. Uh, okay. The, yeah. 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 The, yeah, and yeah, if yeah, yeah. the Seattle Seahawks went out and they had the perfect draft. If you still had Russell Wilson on the NFL team and they drafted every single player that they never drafted while Russell Wilson on the team. Well, uh, that's not true. They drafted a running back, Evan. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I know that was worthless, but I mean, I, I can't, I want to, I want to skip that to simply talk about how offensive linemen. Yeah. They, they finally went out and got uh, the, the, you know, you, when you Charles got cross, when you got drew lock, man, you got to protect that guy. I yeah. just, it was such a slap in the face. To they got cross off. and Abraham Lucas. Yeah. Like yeah. They, they doubled up on decent tackles like. to, to do that. 
the year. I mean, to do that with the picks that you got with trading uh, Robert Russell. Huh? I need food. <laughs> you know, Russ Wilson is just like the the funniest slap in the face. It was such a joyous moment. But yeah, for the for the Seahawks to be that bad of a roster and take a running back, I tweeted before the draft to Steph Small. Shout out to her. Uh, that they were going to take a running back, and she like laughed and thought I was joking. I was like, no, they're going to tra- draft a running back. It was hilarious. And Walker's a good player, but it's just like Carson, Walker, up in, uh, Rashad Penny. Like, this is just yeah. – at what point do you just say, all right, this is this is enough. Like, that we got to stop doing this. This is not a good use of our draft capital. But, yeah. like Evan said, I do think you can make the case. Like, getting Kobe Bryant in round four, I think he'll be a good player for them. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, the Cincinnati corners this past year were incredible. It wasn't just sauce. Like, Kobe was a great corner opposite of him. Um, and like uh, Dalton said, uh, Lucas and Cross, great picks. Uh, Boye Mafe was, like, draft darling favorite. Like, people liked uh, a lot of his, his stuff in Minnesota. But I don't know. What did you think about that one? Do you think he's going to be, like, a edge guy that uh, Seattle fans uh, – Think back to Cliff Averill and uh, Michael Bennett. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be a really interesting one because he's a, a really freaky athlete, and some of his mm-hmm. tape is really really good, and then some of it's just kind of okay. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like older prospects, and I think he's already twenty four, so hmm. a little bit older prospect as well. Um, but I don't hate the pick for sure. I, I think there's a ton of upside with it. People getting upset about the Seahawks doing all that, but I'm like, this is the draft not to take a quarterback. Like, people who are getting upset about them not oh, taking yeah, Malik yeah. or anything else, it's like, no, this is smart. Like, I would draft the Lymans now. Like, take the Lymans, get them in there. Kind of like yeah. what the Cowboys had ready to go. You had this offensive line. You offensive line first. The Falcons are trying to get the skill players in, the offensive line, and then we'll address, really, the quarterback stuff because we have holes everywhere. We got to yep. rebuild the defense, rebuild the offensive line, add another playmaker outside of uh, Pitts. But I don't know. I think... This was it was fine for them not to touch a quarterback in this draft and go with the the Drew Locke Geno Smith competition this <laughs> this summer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're gonna be bad. Like they're gonna be in the running for Bryce Young next year and CJ mm-hmm. Stroud. Like they're gonna be one of the worst teams in football, I think, um, next year. Especially because the NFC West, the other three teams are all trying to win a uh, Super Bowl again. So that's a that's a problem for the Seahawks. Um, Dalton, who was your biggest loser? It was really tough. Um, it was really, really tough between two teams, um, mm. but I, I'm going to go with the, the team that I had my heart set on the first. Uh, it, it's the New England Patriots. Ooh, um, that was I, a layup, I, by the way. That was, was a layup. It was a layup. It was between them and another team in the AFC uh, on the East Coast, and uh, I ended up going with the Patriots because I, I think it was just a, I think it was just a little bit worse. Uh, Cole mm. Strange, not not as bad of a pick as it was kind of just surprising. We we thought that some other guards would go before him and they didn't, but he fits what New England wants really well, so that pick kind of makes sense. Now to the pick that doesn't make sense: Tyquan Thornton, mm. um, return man, uh, really freaky athletic. But not a like precise route runner, and in a Bill Belichick or not Bill Belichick, but the offense that they like to run in New England, you have to be a good route runner, and he is not. You also have to be a good run blocker, and I don't think that he is. Uh, Marcus Jones in the third round, good pick. There you go, good job. Uh, I don't know who Jack Jones is. Um, apparently, that's the one that Albert Breer said, the troubled cornerback from Arizona State, um, because Breer has to go out and uh, 
put racial undertones in every single one of his tweets that he sends. Um, Pierre Strong, not a bad pick. Running back, New England, that's what they always do. Pierre Strong will be a, a decent player. Bailey Zappi, I don't know why they picked him. But I really like him. He is a gamer. Hold so on, Mac don't you don't? There's they they hired that FCS staff this past year. Bailey <laughs> Zappi got to play with that whole new coaching staff. For folks that didn't know, like Western Kentucky was like, "F it, we're just hiring an entire FCS school to run our offense," and that's what they did. And he put up preposterous numbers. Like they blew App so State off the map fun. in the bowl game. But that Western Kentucky was a great watch. So if you like that, you like Bailey Zappi then you're going to love Texas Tech this fall because uh, Jerry Maguire hired uh, the Western Kentucky staff to run his offense. So Texas Tech is going to be must-see. Fun stuff. And then, yeah, I don't know any of the other players that they drafted, <laughs> so they're just they're, they're my losers for, for this. Yeah. I, um, a, lot of, a lot of... I just... They're I think Kevin like... Harris is actually going to be uh, a player for them for like 12 years. As someone who oh, watched a lot think? of Kevin Harris at South Carolina, he's going to be the nice. Kevin Falk, where it's just like that dude's going to be a Patriot gotcha. running back for years. Yeah. Gotcha. So who was your team? Uh, real quick, just say what uh -huh. your team was, and then I'll tell you what the other team I was going to pick. Oh, my team was the Jaguars. The Jags? Yeah. Oh, the Jags. That's an interesting one. Trayvon uh, my... Walker is not going to work out. Like, that is one where it's like, I'm not a – like, if he was – I think Trayvon's like the perfect, right? He's like a Kawhi, where it's like if Kawhi gets drafted by the Charlotte Hornets instead of the Spurs when he does. I don't think any of this happens for Kawhi. I think he was just somebody who had the intangibles, had the build, had like the IQ where it was like he got in Greg Popovich's scheme at the right time, at the right year, and it all worked out. He became one of the best players in basketball, and that worked. But there are some guys where, like, Aiden Hutchinson was going to put up nut, Like, he was going to be fine wherever he goes. Kayvon Thibodeau, yeah. I think, by and large, is going to be fine wherever he goes. Trayvon in Jacksonville, with that scheme and with where they're at with their defense and where they're at with that team, like, I would not be surprised if the front office is completely different next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he is coached by multiple defensive coordinators over the first couple of years of him in Jacksonville. If that is the case, I just – I don't see that continuity – of that lack of continuity being something that helps him because in like the Marvin Williams thing at UNC where he was the most, maybe the people thought, Oh, he might be the most talented of that UNC title team. Like everybody's looking at Rashad McCants and Sean may, but Marvin Williams, he was a six man, but I'm telling you, you, you put him on an NBA team, NBA stuff and you give him the ball. He's gonna be great. Not because I'm bitter about what happened with the Hawks and Marvin Williams and him going before Chris Paul and Darren Williams. What I am saying is that, like, there is something we said about proven production, especially at number one. And I understand this draft was like, there was no clear cut number one. But if you're Jacksonville and where you've been and just how bad the situation this has been, I would just not take the all intangible guy who had a low pressure rate at Georgia, the guy who can play multiple positions, who are not really sure what his expert skill is going to be at the NFL level, that you're like, that's a lot of question marks for number one overall. And I feel like I would just feel better if we had just gone Thibodeau or Hutchinson one and figure it out. Like I understand you franchise tag cam. So Neil and cross were out and uh, the NC state guy, but like, I just, I think that you, you can't do that. I, I would just be surprised if that works out another linebacker, Devin Lloyd, he should be good for them for a while. That's fine. But I, I don't know. Like you look at the rest of this group, they didn't draft any wide receiver help. They didn't draft because DJ Chark's gone. And I don't know if you're a big Christian Kirk guy, but I don't think that's going to, they paid him far too much money. I don't love the receiver options in Jacksonville. I don't love their offensive line. 
I, they just drafted C.J. Henderson. They draft two corners late. Snoop Connor was not great at Ole Miss, so if you're going to go running back, he was not one of the running backs I would uh, target because they had a three-back system at Ole Miss this past year, and I was not all that impressed by Snoop from what I saw. But I don't know. I just thought this draft, it, it all comes down to Trayvon, and I don't think that's enough for me. I just think they didn't. I don't know. I'm not a Jacksonville Jaguar draft guy. All right. Well, the Do you other disagree? Was... Do you think Walk will be good? Uh, I, no, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly, like I Walker is one of the most yeah. difficult evaluations I've ever had because yeah, that George defense, it just didn't ask him to actually Correct. be a defensive end. I mean, he is, he's going to be a good run defender. So at, at least at that, you're going to get somebody who is like a Jadavion Clowney. He's at least going to be good and splash against the run. Will he mm. ever be a 10 plus like consistent 10 plus sack guy? I don't know because I haven't seen it. And it's just because they didn't really ask him to pin his ears back very often. Um, for me, I like the, the the rest of those next three picks. Devin Lloyd, Luke Fortner, um, and Chad Muma. And that's why I, I didn't hate that draft quite as much. Uh, the other one that I was looking at was Tennessee. Um, mm. I was looking at Tennessee because they got rid of AJ. Um, yeah. Traylon Burks, you hope he can be 80% of AJ Brown. Did you hear the um, scuttlebutt on why they did that, though? Trading AJ Brown? Yeah. I mean, I heard that they offered him a ridiculously low contract. Well, do you know extension. why? Like, this is fascinating. I don't know if this is true, but I was listening to Move the Sticks today uh, when I was walking to campus, and Jeremiah and uh, Bucky were talking about it, and they said that the. I, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically it would have caused a locker room problem if A.J. Brown got the money that he ultimately wanted because everything runs through Derrick Henry. So if Derrick Henry is making substantially less than Tannehill and uh, um, A.J. Brown, like that was just a problem. Like it, Because it, it's known that everything runs through Derrick Henry in Tennessee right now, that A.J. Brown making more money uh, than Derrick Henry was just like a, a potential locker room uh, hierarchy problem. Is That's the most disgusting that. thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it should not be a thing, but uh, I, I, I I can understand it. But um, this is the team well, I mean, that they, has they are Ryan the Titans Tannehill. are Derrick Henry. Yeah, this is the team that has put all of their eggs into the Ryan Tannehill bucket. Well, I don't title. even think it's Ryan Tannehill. I think they Tannehill's put all their eggs in Derrick Henry. Year, I think. Like Derrick Henry being healthy changes their team, and when he's not, it's like oh, they can't do. It changes anything. their team because the quarterback sucks. Well, and they're okay with him being an average quarterback because you have Derrick Henry. So that's the whole thing. It's like, I understand if that's the line where it's like, hey, this won't be forever for Derrick Henry, but if we're going to live and die by Derrick Henry, then let's just go get a $3 million Traylon Burks. And it's like Ryan Tannehill. I don't know. I, I can yeah. understand the the behind-the-scenes way of thinking. But again, that's just what I heard on the podcast. You can go check it out. Um, but I, I might miss have interpreted that, but that's what I gathered from the conversation. Yeah, so they, they hope Burks can be 80% of A.J. Brown. Yes. So they got worse right there. Um, Roger yes. McCreary is a good player, but I don't know where he fits because Christian Fulton is a really good player, and Caleb Farley, they just drafted it in mm. the first round last year. Injury um, concerns, and I, though. And they, well, yeah, injury concerns are there. And then they have Elijah Molden playing in the slot. Now, Molden might yeah. go back and play a little bit of safety, but then I don't know who's playing on the inside. Is it going to be Roger McCreary or is it going to be Christian Fulton? I, I, I don't know. So it just seemed a little bit redundant to me. Nicholas Petit Frere is going to get his ass kicked in the NFL. He's <laughs> not even close to ready yet. He should not have been a third round pick. I watched that dude get assassinated by those two Michigan edge rushers. Like, had no answer Malik Willis is a great pick 
great pick in, in at the end of round three, and that's why I didn't have this as the worst draft. Um, him and Hassan Haskins, uh, like the, Haskins, the Willis Haskins, he's good. Yeah, the Willis Haskins Aconquo picks were nice because when it comes to tight ends, just draft athletes. Um, yeah. Outside of that, like the, those first couple of picks, those first three picks, you're supposed to get the most value out of those, and you had to go with Burks. But McCreary and Petit Ferrer, Ferrer just didn't didn't do it for me. I think if like it wasn't Burks, I wonder if if there were better wideout options there, people would feel differently. Like if Jamison had fallen to right there, and you go Jamison Williams there as the Brown replacement, I think Tennessee fans are pretty excited about that. Um, I I don't know. I think there's nothing. Traylon Burks is a really good player. I watched him a lot at Arkansas this past year, and there is some Debo to him, but he is a he is a good player. Um. All right, um, Evan Swartz, what can the good folks check out from you at 49ers Hub? You know, I mean, uh, obviously check out – What? I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm letting the writers take a sabbatical right now. She's yeah. going to stab me if I <laughs> – uh, And rightfully so. I'm hungry too. I apologize. Please don't – I love you so much. You're perfect in every way. Um, check out there 49ers go, Hub. That's but they're not, they're, not doing, they're not doing content right now. I gave them the summer off. There you go. Uh, enjoy themselves. So, pleasure. Burner underscore swords. Follow them there. Dalton, what can the good folks check out from you and the great team covering the NFL draft and the NFL as a whole at, at uh, PFN? Yeah, just uh, go to PFN. Click on all of the links. Uh, mm-hmm. Pay my salary for me. There just you go. Go to, go to Dalton Miller. You can go to my author page. Just read everything I have. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to have a ton of off-season stuff. We're going to have a, a full like newsletter-style uh, Nice thing going on for the the offseason preview like big book that you can have and print out like dane brugler's beast um but for the nfl preseason it, it'll be cool um other than that i'm gonna take like a month off in in two weeks it's gonna be a ton of fun i'm gonna move to to portugal and uh just have myself a good time you can follow me on twitter at dalton b miller follow me on twitch at dalton b miller i play mediocre war zone and uh give a little bit of football content with me. There you go. Are we going to get you back on the pod once you move? Is this it? Yeah. Like, once you're no. across the pond, are you gone? Okay. No, I'm going to live a, a nightlife out there. So. I was going to say, how? Is, okay. Know. That's how it's going to work. Uh, Dalton, Evan, thank you as always for the time. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I will talk to you guys very soon. All right, boys. We're back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am now joined by a first-timer. He is entrenched in Bill's Mafia. Dell Reed is here. Dell, how many, uh, let's see, swan, what, what is the term, frog splash in, onto some tables, onto uh, some other fan tables? How many have you either partaken it, partaken in, or have just seen with your own eyes over the years? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talks of bills uh never <laughs> I, I actually have never gone through a table i have no plans of ever going through a table mm-hmm. um i don't think i've ever seen it actually happen in, in front of me just on social media huh. um, it's something that's it's you know uh well publicized on social media but in mm-hmm. like the real world i think there's not as much of it going on um, as you would expect you know i think the people in general think that you just drive through you know buffalo at any given day of the year it'd be middle of may people are jumping through tables on their front lawn or something but yeah um it's really confined to a few different lots uh, around the stadium before the games and obviously social media kind of exaggerates everything but 
it's part of our legacy now, I guess. I mean, hey, it's a good thing, brand awareness, and it's all in good fun. Um, it's just one of the cool things. Like, I think over the years, me being a Falcons guy and everything, like tailgating in Atlanta is not what it used to be, um, by and large, for a lot of NFL tailgates, and a lot of that's just the way the NFL has changed things. Cities and like just stadiums have changed their policies and stuff like that. So it's cool to see that the Bills. Um, the Chiefs and the the Steelers, seeing around, there's like still a lot of uh, NFL teams around the, the NFL that are able to still have that awesome tailgate memorable experience. So it's like, yeah, it's it's it, people just have these silly assumptions about what the average Bills tailgate's like. But on the flip side, it's cool that the Bills are one of those franchises where it still just means so much, and the tailgating is so much fun that like, hey this is cool. It's still, this is still something that's standing in 2022 that they, it has not gone full corporate everywhere. And there is still uh, a lot of fun uh, to be had when attending a NFL tailgate, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, growing up, that was always part of the um, Bill's culture that, you know, that I was always aware mm. of. And it's just been a part of being a fan as much as what happens, you know, the morning leading up to a game than, as much just as much the game itself so mm. um, it is good to know that with the new stadium that is being built uh, right across the street from the the bill's current stadium there's still going to be all that same opportunity for the uh, you know a lot of the private lots and the grass lots and everything um mm. that private owners own all around the stadium uh, it's nice that you know bills fans will continue to have that opportunity to preserve you know decades of tailgating legacy yeah absolutely um well Dell. so we had the nfl draft it's finally over there are some folks there are some a lot of sickos out there who uh watched it from start to finish just sat there and enjoyed uh beginning to end but uh i was not one of them i was getting the text alerts and i was like oh god desmond ritter falcons oh no um so i uh i i had other things to watch and do but um i will say the bills like the falcons one of those teams that a lot of good marks all across the board. Uh, you took a Georgia boy and James Cook in the second round. I think that's a really good fit, uh, especially just the side-to-side action that he's going to be able to do with Josh Allen. And um, I remember in the game against y'all last year, Singletary was just a killer in the snow game against the Falcons. And that was like one of the things that kept y'all. And, it, and we don't have to relitigate what happened there with Matt Ryan in the end zone. But um, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I what did uh, now? Wishing, uh... Wasn't he just wishing Jordan Poyer Happy New Year? Is that what it was? <laughs> that was a fun game, though. Uh, I did not have yeah. a lot of joy uh, in the 2021 Falcon season, uh, Dell. So that was one of those rare occurrences where I was like, oh, this is fun. We're going toe-to-toe with an actual good playoff Super Bowl contender. So this was fun. Um, it was like one of the worst Josh Allen games of all time, too. But uh, let, uh, let, let, let me get your perspective. How did you think the draft ultimately unfolded? Uh, for the Bills? Um, I was thrilled, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. going into the draft. The the cornerback position was, you know, my biggest uh, nervous point, you know, with mm-hmm. the roster. Um, I was really glad that they were able to select a top-tier guy, even trade it up to get him, which makes me think that they got the guy they wanted um, based on, you know, where they were positioned in, in the draft to begin with. So I thought that was excellent. Um, it is nice. It's it's weird as a Bills fan because for years, like this was our Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, the draft was basically where uh, new names were selected, and we kind of envisioned like, oh, they're gonna this is gonna be the the group of players that's gonna help you know get them back into the playoffs and get them back to relevancy. 
Um, and just like a moment ago, you said it felt good to see the Falcons, you know, go toe to toe with mm. um, <clears throat> a playoff team. It's nice to actually be a playoff team. It's nice to yeah. to hold that place, you know, um, in the NFL currently and uh, as a perennial contender. So uh, it's nice. I say all that because the Bills selected a punter you know, mm-hmm. in this draft, and that was that was a huge position of need. But it's one of those positions like when you're building a roster, you never want to like give up a precious draft pick for. But know, not just uh, any punter. This man yeah. is a marvel. Dell, I don't know yeah. how much college tape, but like he was a marvel all year long. But he was must see television, man. If you're ever gonna take a punter that early, you take this kid from San Diego State because he's just insane. Yeah, and it was weird to me that he was a third punter taken because you know, yes, it, I thought the consensus was that he was like the main guy, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so to to that point though, is what I'm saying is it's nice that they can take these luxury picks now. Mm-hmm. You know, even going into the draft uh, Thursday night, we saw, you know, they, they have eight picks uh, across the seven rounds. And I was talking with my father-in-law, like, you know, beforehand, and we were saying, like, there's no there's no way they're going to get eight rookies onto this roster. That's just mm. not happening. The roster is is too complete. And so it was nice that they had a lot of ammunition to, to trade up and, you know, move around um, and, and all that. So um, I was very pleased with it. They, they filled a lot of positions in need. They – um, they ended up getting that um, the the receiver. Uh, Is that the Boise kid? Yeah, yeah, the, the Boise receiver Khalil. So oh, uh, I think I have it in front of me. Give yeah, me shame second. on me going on a podcast. I don't have it right in front. Khalil of me, Shakir. But, uh, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. So um, it was great that they were able to select him in the fifth round. You know, because he had a third round grade, as I understand it, from a lot of experts. Mm. So it was good. You know, so some people thought that they overdrafted the linebacker they took in the third, but then they ended up getting a guy in the fifth that was ranked as a third. So it kind of evened out. So that was fine. Um, very happy with it, though, overall. What was your favorite pick in the one that you think – you still are just like, I, I don't feel good about this one, or I don't think he's going to make it uh, be a part of this team long term? Well, I think my favorite pick was the corner position. Okay. But, like, my 1B is the punter, like I mentioned before. Because mm-hmm. if you're drafting a punter, ideally, like, that's a position now you don't have to worry about for the next six, seven, eight, however yeah. many years, right? If you're putting that level of investment in a player. So, um, I was thrilled with that. In terms of, you know, what, what I wasn't crazy about, I don't really, to be honest with you, not to sound like a, a Bills stan, but I am. But um, yeah, I really don't have any issue. Because what I always say with the, with these situations is, Listen, if the Bills get it wrong, like mm. I'm inconvenienced because maybe I wasted a year or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like my fanhood, mm. I they didn't get my team to where I wanted it to go. Um, but if, on the other hand, if they get it wrong, I mean, Brandon Bean and that front office is a lot more invested in getting it right. They have a lot more to lose than I do. So I will always trust their judgment, um, no matter who's in, who, no matter who's making the choices, because if they're making poor choices, then that problem's going to fix itself. That's true. Um, well, by and large, so when you, cause a lot of the big stuff is done now. So you have, um, off, you have free agency concluded, you have the draft now concluded. How do you think this is ultimately uh, being in company? How do you think they've ultimately approached, uh, the offseason and the draft? Are you mostly okay with what they've done following up to what happened in the chiefs game and how last season unfolded? Do you think that they have, uh, addressed the areas of need and done, what they needed to do to ensure that this team uh, is contending and atop of the, the division again next year. 
Yeah, I think they have. I mean, they've rebuilt the defensive line pretty much. Uh, you know, you know, ends, tackles, everything. They, you know, they've got a whole bunch of new bodies in there mm. who are, you know, upgrades over the, you know, the players that were in there in 2021. So that that's great. They, had, like I said, they addressed the position of need with corner. You know, Trey White tearing his ACL on Thanksgiving. Uh, it's a terrible mm. timing in terms of you know the NFL like the calendar year because you know that level of um, rehab could take it's going to take him right up to week one probably and then we're gonna, we won't know if he's how he's doing until week one right so um, so I was really happy that they addressed that and then even little things like Josh Allen so, so the Bills had like one of the like middle to lower averages of yards after catch their mm. offense did. Uh, I think the, the Kansas City Chiefs had over a thousand yards more offense uh, hmm. than the Bills in terms of yards after catch. Um, so that was kind of frustrating, you know, as you hear about that. And, you know, there's one podcast I listen to all the time, and he's always harping on it, and he's right, you know. Um, so it's nice to hear that Josh Allen this offseason has been working on throwing open his receivers. Like every offseason, Allen has worked on a different part of his game, and every year he's come back you know, better. Like it, the, his trajectory as a, from rookie to 2021 is unprecedented in terms of how he's been able to like yeah. up his game year after year. Um, and just the, his dedication to his craft and uh, just his um, awareness of what he needs to work on. So like even after this year, when they're, uh, you know, two years ago, they're a game away from the Super Bowl. This year, they're almost a game away from, they were 13 seconds away from being back in the, the conference championship. He's, there's still, opportunities for him to improve and he recognizes that and he's working on it. So it's fantastic. You know, every year he's like, he's leveling up and I, I just, I'm thrilled that, you know, they're working on that. Um, so I'm happy from the front office to, you know, specific players like Alan, I'm very happy with the way that this off season is going. Levi Wallace was someone that it was, he's like uh, the kind of guy that I just love in that he is just, he's never handed anything in this group. And obviously he has the Alabama pedigree, but like he kept surviving, he kept winning the job and they kept bringing in competition. They kept trying to uh, get somebody else in there. And Levi Wallace year after year was just the guy. And he was not a superstar. He was not a name you were going to hear talked about all week on different podcasts and radio shows and all that kind of stuff. But like, Levi was Mr. Consistent for this Buffalo secondary for so many years now. Now he's gone. Um, I thought that was an under-the-radar type thing that I wanted to get your perspective on, Dell, as someone who watched every uh, Levi Wallace game and just really got to know him as a corner and what he brought to this team. Are you at all concerned about the gap um, that he leaves behind? And like you said, Trey White going down last year. But do you think the corner spot is going to be okay? And are you going to miss Levi Wallace a lot this year? Well, had they not drafted two corners uh, in in this draft, and mm-hmm. one of which being their number one pick, um, I would be a lot more concerned than I am now. But you know, just having read and and listened to different podcasts in terms of the breakdown of Elam and and his game and his pedigree, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not concerned. Uh, Levi Wallace was, um, I'm, I'm really happy for him. I'm really you know as as a fan. You see him, mm-hmm. he's a undrafted free agent coming out of Alabama. And every year, like you said, he had to fight off contenders for that position. Like every year they were bringing in new bodies mm-hmm. um, to try and take that position away from him. And he continued to succeed. So that was, you know, that's, that's awesome. That's a story that everybody loves. Yeah. Um, 
But I think that at the end of the day, I think the, the Bills saw that they had an opportunity to significantly upgrade from um, a UDFA who's been, uh, you know, coached up and uh, who has excelled uh, to somebody with a, uh, somewhere with a higher ceiling, you know, mm. and a higher floor altogether. That's one thing that these Bills coaches have been able to do with the corners. Dane Jackson as well. He was a later round pick. Um, a couple of years ago, and they've done an excellent job of taking these corners and just coaching them up to the point where they're able to really succeed at the NFL level. Um, so, I, you know, I think that they they obviously see a lot more of these players than 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 we do. They see them in practice every day. They they know their their strengths and their weaknesses inside out. And if they were comfortable with letting uh, Levi Wallace, you know, walk, then then I'm comfortable with it. Um, and feels like they have his replacement in mind. So even if the season starts with um, Jackson on one side and Elam on the other, or um, Trey White on one side and the winner of the, the Jackson-Elam mm-hmm. training camp competition, uh, I think the Bills are set up for success. Okay. Um, when you <clears> – <throat> now that the roster, like I said, is kind of uh, – it's pretty pretty much set, and you, or you were talking about like one of the cool things about being a Bills fan now is that you're you just you don't have many positions of need you're you're able to take the luxury picks the running backs early the punters early um you can just add around the edges to you're like we're going to be a contender we're okay we have our guys our team's fine but we could always uh stand uh just take some some uh what do you want to call it some not flyer i guess take a flyer on just a running back here and if he adds something in this first couple years hey that's a nice supplement to what we already have cooking here um but when you look at each position right now on Monday, May 2nd, is there still one position group that you're like, I think we still need a little bit more, or I am still a little concerned about this group heading into next year? Heading into the 2023 season? Mm. Or 2022, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sorry, my bad. Um, no, I was like, oh, God, we're already ahead of myself to... already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ahead of myself already. No, I'm, I, I'm very happy with where they're at. I don't... Mm-hmm think any NFL roster is truly ever complete. Um, you know, the the safeties, Hyde and Ployer, they're both um, north of 30 years old, so that's something that's mm-hmm. going to have to be you know, addressed eventually. Uh, I'm excited to see the running backs uh, this season. James Cook, obviously, um, great um, pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of tread on his tires. So I'm not, you know, I think he has like 200 and 30 or 250 carries in his college career, <laughs> yeah. which is um, a lot less than, you know, a lot of backs get in the in NFL season, much less mm-hmm. entire college career. Um, so I'm excited to see that. You mentioned Singletary earlier in the podcast. Mm-hmm. He really came on towards the end of the season. Um, like, you know, Levi Wallace, uh, maybe not, it's not hundred percent analogous, but um, other running backs are brought in, whether it was uh, Matt Breida you know, a mm. uh, year prior, uh, the name is escaping me who they had in that position last year, but um, Moss, Zach Moss. Well, Moss, yeah, Moss, is, Moss has been there. He's, Moss is great yeah. with pass protection. He's a, he's a, he's mm. a banger uh, between the tackles, but um, it'll be interesting to see how that position plays out because I, don't, I feel like on the offense, that's probably the weakest position they have. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that position's even weak per se because, you know, the, the offense is so great, but out of all the different skill positions, that's definitely the one that has the most room for improvement. Um, but I'm very happy with where the offense is at right now. I'm very happy with the, the quarterbacks that have been brought in. Um, you know, God forbid we ever have to use them, but it's nice, it's nice <laughs> to know they're there. And, you know, the defense, um, 
I think it's in decent shape for this, you know, for this year. And this is obviously assuming that Elam is the pick that we all expect him to be. Um, when you, so this is interesting. I, the Jets had a great draft, I think. And it's so, it's so silly to say this team had a great draft. It's like, we don't know, like based on what we know from the prospects and what we think they're going to be, it's like, okay, the Jets had a really, Joe Douglas has done a really great job there. A lot of it comes down to Zach Wilson still. Um, you can have the great job, but if Zach Wilson's not the guy, they're in trouble uh, for the next couple of years. Um, you have the Pats, who came... I think they had a better-than-expected season last year with the rookie Mac Jones. Um, they weren't real contenders, but they were slow and steady, and they just kept hanging around, and the Bills were like, all right, I need you guys to go away. This is not real. Um, and obviously made the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But then you have the Dolphins, who have gone all in. You bring in a wild card like Mike McDaniel. You're bringing in the Shaney scheme into this division. We don't know what two is going to be, but it's a gigantic year for two. It's a gigantic year for this team all across the board. When you look at those three different AFC East rivals, who do you worry about the most catching up to Buffalo this fall? Probably the Dolphins. Interesting. Um, it, yeah, at this point. The Jets had a great draft. I mean, for me, Wilson is just an unknown. I, I just mm. I don't know. And even though I think the you know, Tua doesn't have quite the arm strength, you know, not quite Josh Allen level arm mm-hmm. strength. Not many people are that. <laughs> no, no, no. No, but um so out of the you know the three quarterbacks uh in the division right now if i had to pick one that concerned me a little bit i, I guess it would be Tua. i mean maybe zach mm. wilson because for me he's it's a black box i still don't know what what it's about there with him but um notice i didn't say the other guy mm. <laughs> but uh um i think that you know the dolphins with, with the addition of tyreek hill and uh, Raheem Mostert and then a couple other backs they, they signed. Um, yeah, you know Mike McBride, Mike McBride um, is like you said a wild card. So I just don't know what to expect from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess that would be that would be it though. I, if, I, if I had to pick the other three, I'm not too concerned about the division this year for yeah. for, for Buffalo. You know, um, maybe next year we'll, we'll see how those other teams progress or how the Bills, you know, God forbid, regress. But we'll, we'll see how that all kind of plays out. But for the, for this season, I like the chance of a three-peat for a division crowd. It's just kind of wild because the AFC is just suddenly stacked. And everyone moved to the AFC and outside of the AFC South where just, I mean, it, open season for my guy Matt Ryan to just walk through the AFC South uh, next year. But I still don't think they're real contenders when you look at the rest of this conference but like the afc west is just going to be a bloodbath the north is going to be a bloodbath and then the east like you said like all four of those teams are going for it now like there could be like you the jets have to show improvement the dolphins have to show improvement the pats want to build off their year last year i mean i'm very curious to see how it all unfolds but well i mean when you look at the tiers do you think the bills are still right up there with tier one with uh kansas city do you think they're still right there or do you think there's a chance that someone else jumps up to get with them or uh where are you at with that in terms of their level of contention when you look at just how stacked the afc is i still think the bills are in the top tier Mm -hmm. um you know there's been a lot of shuffling on these you know other rosters especially in the west like you mentioned but none of that Mm -hmm. talent has even played together yet hasn't gelled hasn't um the bills are proven and like I said before, they were 13 seconds away from a second consecutive, yeah. you know, conference championship. And they, you know, uh, they added Von Miller. <laughs> they added, you know, some talent. They've added a pass catching running back to the offense. Um, I am 
not concerned about the Bills, you know, uh, outlook for, for, for this season. I think that they have a chance to absolutely win it all. I think the path is going to be a little rockier this than mm. the past couple of years. You know, I say that when they had to even complete the path, but um, it is going to be tougher to get out of the AFC this year uh, into the Super Bowl. But I do like their chances. Final two. Um, it's interesting when teams do this. So it can go one of two ways, and there's always been either way of like, oh, this is who we we plan to promote all along. Like, this was the plan. Ken Dorsey was going to be the eventual heir to Brian Devil when he got another, when he got a head coaching job. Was that like, okay, this is the natural progression is like, he's been there. Josh is comfortable with him. Eventually, he'll get promoted. He'll get the job. So they don't go outside higher to replace Devil, who's just done a great job with Josh Allen in this offense the last couple of years and been a big part of the Bills going back to back for the division. When you look at Dorsey, who we don't know what kind of coordinator he's going to be, um, and you have a defensive-minded coach, you have, let's see, Frazier, you have Sean McDermott, but this is going to be Ken Dorsey's show, right? Like, this is <laughs> this is a lot of pressure for a first-time offensive coordinator to keep this offense humming at the level it's been and make sure that Josh Allen doesn't have any setbacks because, like you said, this year is a big year for Buffalo. They should be a Super Bowl contender. And they can't afford an OC to kind of struggle his way through the year and figure things out as a play caller. But that's kind of the position that he's in. I don't know. Are you in Bill's Mafia? Are you at all concerned about the Dorsey elevation and not going outside with a more more proven uh, offensive play caller, even if it would be a different, maybe a, not even a different scheme, but different uh, different coach than Josh has had for the first couple of years and that continuity being as important as it was? Um, I don't know. Where are you at with Dorsey? Um, I'm happy with it. I'm very. He actually interviewed for the the OC position, um, yeah. the same year that that, that Dable did. Um, mm. Not that that means anything, but just a little interesting trivia point. Um, mm. So he he's and over the past several years, he's been obviously right there with Dable, right there with Allen, and Allen gave him a ringing endorsement. You know, before mm-hmm. they even hired him, he said, "I know the guy I want." It was very obvious who he was talking about. Um, so I'm not too concerned. I mean, I'm sure some of the terminology will change and all that. And having never been an NFL quarterback, I'm not sure how much, you know, changing schemes seems to matter because the guys that are good mm. seem to be good, you know, every year. Um, but I was thrilled that, you know, the Bills quarterback got through, you know, four complete seasons with the same offensive coordinator. Yeah. And now, and there's so there, there, that's a big part of. It. I talked about his progression year to year. That's a big part of it as, as well as not having to learn new systems. I feel so bad for these quarterbacks mm-hmm. that get drafted. These 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 prospects they get drafted out of these teams, and then like the next year they're switching the coach. You know, like whether it's you know what Sam Darnold's been through or Baker, <laughs> Josh Rosen, yeah, <laughs> you know players like that. It's crazy. Like they just Baker, yeah. It, there's the the carpet gets pulled out from under them. So they're all the studying they put in from the moment they're drafted through their rookie season when, which are, when they're also being slammed with a completely different profession that they've ever dealt with and, you know, just demands on their time that they've never had to deal with. Now, all of a sudden after that year, there's no, um, there's no foundation to work off of in terms of the playbook and everything. So I think that's huge. And my, I mean, my thought is that the offense is going to remain very similar to what they've run in the past because Dorsey was a part of that because, Allen was a part of that. And obviously they'll change some of the terminology, um, but I have to imagine that a lot of the concepts are going to remain the same. I mean, Dorsey knows what Josh Allen likes, what works for him. They have that level of um, comfort with each other. So, you know, if the 
if you have to lose your offensive coordinator to an offense that has been humming for the past several years, then I think this is the best, you know, scenario that would flow out of it. Last thing we'll wrap up here, Dell. Um, the what, what is one thing Josh Allen could still get better at uh, next year? What is one thing that you have circled that he could still be a better quarterback at? Throwing open receivers, you know, throwing okay. them open. Um, and he admits it himself. So, <laughs> um, but that's really, I think the, the, the most glaring thing is that to have a quarterback like Josh Allen with his skill set, and then for the receivers to be um, so low on the totem pole in terms of stats uh, compared to other teams when it comes to their yards after catch is, is crazy. So if he can just get better at leading the receiver uh, a little bit more, I think that this offense is going to open is going to just open wide right up, right up. Um, like I said, the, the Chiefs had a thousand more yards just in yards after catch than the Bills last season. So if you can get half of that, I mean that's a that's that's a that's a game, right? That's a game of offense, you know. So um, that's what I think is the the best area for improvement. There you go, uh, Dell. How do the good folks keep up with your work and everything Bills Mafia? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. So I'm on Twitter at Dell Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, our our Twitter account that we use for, you know, the, the Buffalo fan base uh, website is at Buffalo fam, like family fan base. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, my company, uh, 26 shirts. Uh, you can find us there at, at 26 shirts. There you go. There you go. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you so much for making the time Dell. I greatly appreciate it. This is a lot of fun and we'll have to check back in again soon. Absolutely. Anytime, man. Thanks for the invite. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this edition of the Chase Most Podcast. Thank you again to Dalton, Evan, and Dell for coming on this edition of the Chase Most Podcast. It very much enjoyed my conversation with all of them, and I hope you guys did as well. Uh, go make sure you go check out uh, all their stuff on Twitter and uh, their websites and all that good stuff and support them uh, as they keep it going on the content front. That would be great. I would greatly appreciate it good people support them do all that good stuff um if you would like to watch this very program guess what you can do so youtube.com type in the chase most podcast that easy that simple you can find us on youtube and all that good stuff subscribe and uh watch these shows if you would prefer to watch them uh don't forget to tell a friend coworker, family member whoever about the chase most podcast here on the blue wire pod network why you listen why you're subscribed and why you think that they would like this show too uh, it helps uh, this show continue to grow. Leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. If I see your review and you send it to me, screenshot it uh, at Podchase Thomas. I will read uh, the review on this very show. So go ahead and do that if you have not already done so. It helps other people find the show and all that good stuff. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. Uh, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer, and of course, read me, Sports Renaissance Man. That's me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email. That simple. Check out all my work and the latest on the Tennessee Vols baseball team. Uh, some brave stuff coming up today and all that good stuff. But uh, all kinds of great content coming to you guys uh, at a variety of places. So if you'd like to support me and all that I got going on here on the Chase Must Pod Network, what do I want to call this? CTPN? Maybe one day. Uh, thank you so much. And new episode coming tomorrow. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.